everybody, welcome back to another episode of Apex Mountain. My name is Jacob Lindgren, and join with me most of the time, my good friend, my chill chum, Tanner Knox. Tanner, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. How are you, Jobin? I am Jobin. I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm glad that we've picked this movie. I know we'll get into it in a minute, but uh, Paul Rudd, man, turns out he's pretty funny. It's not too who, bad. Who knew? Who he's knew? like the awkward funny kind of, isn't he? Yeah. This is kind of the uh, 40-year-old virgin thing, but we'll get into it a little bit, you know? Yeah. But anyway, what have, how's your life been? I know you've been busy. Super busy. Um, packing up the apartment. I'm finally uh, moving home soon. So uh, been busy doing that, throwing a bunch of stuff out, you know, getting rid of stuff. Uh, I've been rewatching uh, Ted Lasso. It's just kind of on in the background while I'm cleaning and stuff. Right. It's The show is just so perfect. Like, there's so many little nuances. Like, it's not just a gimmick show. Very detailed, just... The little things they do or little things they say is amazing. Um, I just finished the last episode of Shrinking. What else? Um, I don't know. I've just been, you know, like I said, pretty damn busy. Uh, I think I was home last weekend. The weekend before that, my family was here. And then the weekend before that, I was home. So I just haven't had a lot of time to watch stuff. What about you? Um, yeah, same. Uh, I watched The Last of Us. I finished the uh the finale of that and it was really good it actually was really true to the, the video game for anybody who played that the ending pretty much one for one the, the game and um the game's heartbreaking and crazy and so is the show uh pedro pascal was amazing in that and really enjoyed it um i can't spoil anything because for the people who want to watch the show and have it yet but like the voice actors for joel and ellie in the movie or in the in the game both had parts in the movie, which was cool. I thought that was kind of a respectful nod. And the voice for Ellie um, has a really significant role in the last last episode that is um, an addition to what the game did. So that was really cool to see. Um, really appreciated that. So nice. anybody who hasn't checked that out for some reason, they really should. But that's all I've watched this week other than the movie we're getting ready to talk about. Have you heard of the movie or the show From? No, I haven't. My brother told me about it the other day, and I watched the trailer. And essentially this family's driving like in an rv and uh they get lost and they end up in this town and they're like hey can you point us in the direction back to the interstate and they're like yeah just follow this road so they follow the road and they end up right back in the town and they're like what the hell did we make a turn huh and they drive keep driving show up in the town again they do it like five times and then they end up like something happens they crash the rv and the people help them out and they're like the same guy like that pointed them in the right direction was like hey man I sorry, we're, this happened to all of us. We're all stuck in this town, and then they're like, at nights you gotta like board up your wall, your windows, because like if you want to survive, and hmm. it looks pretty fucking wild. So you can drive into the town and it's fine, but once you get in the town, you can't leave the town. So I don't know how it works, but like they there's like a there's like a tree that fell in the middle of one road. So I don't know if they had to turn around and go a different direction, and that's what led them to that town. Triggers but I, that. Everyone said. You saw the tree in the road, right? Yeah. Yeah, we all had that happen to us. So every time the tree is mm-hmm. in the road, it's almost like the town is like needs to eat someone else. Like, you know what I mean? That's, that kind of reminds me. I don't know if you remember, but when we talked about the Blair Witch Project, where mm-hmm. one of the, yeah. one of the uh, you know, the theories was that once they got into the woods far enough that they couldn't leave it. Mm-hmm. Um, that That's kind of eerie. I think that kind of stuff's fun because it's like, yeah. you know, not possible, but. There's just enough there that makes you a little unsettled, you know? Yep. So. so pretty crazy, but... That, that is neat. Might might check it out. I don't know. But uh, you want to talk about this one? Yeah, let's get into it. 
Will you marry me? Yes! Peter already booked the place we went for that long weekend. So romantic. So romantic. She doesn't know she's on speakerphone. That's where you guys had sex for the first time, right? Wow. Marry him. Lock that stud down, girl. So you're not gonna have a best man? Um, here's the thing, Zoe. Peter's always been a girlfriend guy. All his dude friends just fell by the wayside. Why is it weird that I had girlfriends? Nothing. We're just saying you never really had a best friend is all. Well, who's your best friend? Your brother, Robbie. What's up? He's about the coolest guy I know. So what do I do? How do I meet friends? If you see a cool-looking guy, strike up a conversation and ask him on a mandate. Okay, you know what I mean? No. Casual lunch or after-work drinks. You're not taking these boys to see The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, God, I love that movie. No, I won't. He just moved to L.A. His mother says he's so excited to meet you. I really enjoyed this. Awesome. Yeah, he got up in there. Like tongue? Oh, yeah. Deep in my mouth. I'm Peter Clavin. I'm the realtor. Sydney Fife. Hey, check out these two. That guy needs to fart. He does seem to be clenching. Watch the leg. Boom. He farted in my open house. He sure did. I'm thinking it might be a little bit small. Totally, and it smells like fart. Hey, Sydney. I could be in Venice by five. I could do that. It's a mandate. This is a mandate. He's the most beautiful dog in the world. Any plastic bag? Or... Oh, no, I don't clean up after my dog. Damn it! How about cleaning up that you dog? You mind your own! What the f Society tells us to act civilized, but the truth is we're animals, and sometimes you gotta let it out. Try it. Ah! Respect the process. Ah! Yeah, you feel better? Yeah. Wanna get a corn dog? Yeah! Let's go. So what do you guys do for seven straight hours? Ah! Yeah, Pete! So is he your best man? It's way too early to tell. Sweet, sweet hanging. Truth is, I've been a girlfriend guy, but out of all those girls, you're the only one that wanted me to have my own life. It's like one of the most romantic things I could ever think of. What's up? Come on. Hey, geek! I just stepped in your dog's crap! <laughs> well, we talked over the last week, and you picked Paul Rudd in this movie. I'm glad you did. I had not seen this movie before now. Uh, I don't know why. I was talking to you before we started doing the podcast episode. I've always avoided Paul Rudd for some reason, not really on purpose, but um, I don't know. Every time I watch him in things now as an adult, I appreciate him more and more. And uh, it's probably because he's extremely relatable in this movie. But yeah. um, because you picked it, what do you think? How do you feel about it? Yeah, I, I don't remember the first time I saw it, but I it was probably around the time it came out. Uh... I remember it. I remember liking it. I think I liked it a lot more back then than now. Now it's a little bit, uh, I don't know, maybe outdated. I'm not sure, but sure, um, sure. it didn't hit me like it did before, but I still enjoy it. I remember it. Um, a lot of the little like nervous sayings that he does, yeah. I say all the time, like, I will yeah. see you now or I will see you another time. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> uh, I, Yeah, that's this movie has stayed with me not like sarah marshall or you right. know stepbrothers all that stuff but uh yeah it's a it's a solid comedy for the time yeah definitely it does lack like one half step to being up there with the forgetting sarah marshall's and that kind of thing it's a little like i don't want to say stiff but like maybe not i don't want to say poorly edited but like there's pauses and stuff that i don't really think need to be there it feels like they've done a take multiple times and there's there's sections where the actors don't really seem like they necessarily think that take is going to be the take, but it ends up being the take, you know, like 
the end of what they say kind of almost lands weird, and uh, they just keep it moving, which is fine. But it does seem like maybe the direct the directing side of things w- came up short with this movie because the one liners and the and the comedy is really there. Um, but like you said, like forgetting Sarah Marshall really wraps up to where like you understand all the characters, you can relate to all the characters in that movie, and uh, it really makes you feel emotional at the end. And despite the fact that I can feel relatable to a lot of the people in this movie too, I kind of walk away just going, eh, you know, I don't really feel emotionally connected to like Jason Segal or Siegel or uh, Paul Rudd in the same way I would have been forgetting Sarah Marshall. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, his fight with Zoe is like, she leaves and it like, wasn't even a fight. Or there was another time where they had a fight and he's like, yeah, we've been fighting a lot. It's like, no, you haven't. <laughs> yeah, like, right. You guys were literally just talking. Uh, his, you know, breakup with Sydney was 10 minutes and then they're back together at the wedding. It's like there wasn't enough. It didn't make you feel like, ah, oh, damn, that, I wanted that to work out and it didn't work out. It's like, It didn't feel low enough or high enough. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it didn't really, it didn't make you feel like, oh, fuck, how are they going to put this back together? You know, it just kind of felt like he broke up with him, but like neither one of them believed it. And you know, uh, there wasn't any persuasion. Like he was mm-hmm. already heading to the wedding anyway. It didn't feel surprising when he showed up. Nobody seemed surprised. Like, I don't know. The tone of it was a little strange. And also like Rashida Jones, although that she is totally beautiful in this movie. And, um, I think really, really good at, for what she's asked to do. She's still not doing enough. And I don't mm-hmm. think it's her fault, but like, I don't know. I don't think that they used her well enough. I think I she's agree. really funny in parks and rec and, um the office later on and all that i think she's she has a lot of potential and i think in this movie they just make her like the pretty fiance that is basically in the background and she felt unrelatable because as you and i can both attest like by the time you're gonna marry somebody they usually want to know what you're doing all day you know and she just like lets him drift in and out and be like where you been oh no big deal oh you played the guitar i didn't even know like we would have told our wives 15 times we were going to go to somebody's garage and play, you know, bass all night. Like, right. they definitely had known that. Yeah. Well, I think uh, Sydney's kind of a, I don't know exactly how to explain it, but he really makes you feel comfortable to tell him things that you probably shouldn't be telling somebody you met a week ago. Um, right. But he does that a lot. He, like, he gains that trust from you and then exploits it almost to the point where you feel like, a, like an idiot for telling him stuff. Um, but I feel like this movie was... Definitely like a like a cookie cutter movie for this time between Forty uh, Year Old Virgin and uh, uh, fucking what's that one with Jonah Hill and with their kids? Damn, I can't. I'm drawing a blank. Oh, um, Jesus Christ! We did it too, McLovin. Yes. Anyway, like that movie yes. and like all these other movies of that time where it's like. They are friends and then they something happens and they're not friends for about the last three fourths of the movie or three fifths of the movie. And then yep. the last fifth of the movie, they come back together and they're great again. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't what, feel like they, it, I don't feel like they took enough time in this movie to really get like we said before, get that emotion in there, get that involvement and just really bring this movie together. Yeah, no, you're totally, you're totally right. And uh, super bad, forty year old virgin. Those movies, they're really emotionally charged, and the and the characters are both like generically relatable, but also very specifically relatable. There's some things that they say where you're like, I've had that exact thought, you know. Yeah. 
And Judd Apatow's really good at harnessing that like awkward high school energy that people have and putting it in movies and finding great people to do it. And like this movie has all of the workings of a Judd Apatow movie and it feels like a Judd Apatow movie, but it almost feels like the Dollar General version. Yeah. Where it just doesn't quite work like some of his best movies do. And the reason why is because he took five steps back and gave it to John Hamburg to direct. And no offense to John Hamburg, he's not Judd Apatow. Mm-hmm. And this is proof, the proof is in the pudding of this movie that just because all the ingredients are there, it really does take a talent like Judd Apatow to make a movie like that. Like comedies, people often think are easy to do because they they feel naturally feel easy. It's like watching an athlete play a sport. But in reality, it's so much more difficult than that. And so much stuff has to be lined up for it to feel both funny and authentic and special. And this is proof that you do actually need Judd Apatow. He is the sugar and don't put salt in or the whole thing's fucked. Yeah, and it's unfortunate because the cast is freaking stacked in this movie. I know some of them are, you know, like Sandberg is younger at this time, maybe not as well known, but man. I love him so much. And the guy that had the the breaking voice, those two co-star in uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and I fucking love that show so much. So (laughs) it was fun to see them together. And uh, yeah, there's tons. Like Nick Kroll is like literally like a writing genius. Like the stuff that he does in the background and the TV shows that he produces like he is a machine of jokes and to see him in the movie even for a couple minutes was like oh yes that guy i was (laughs) i was leonardo dicaprio i was pointing at the screen like yes nick carroll well him and aziz Ansari was in that same clip for like two minutes yes and then they really never show up again which is a little sad but yeah but even like you know jk simmons and john favreau like jamie presley like you've got people in their prime at this point Mm -hmm. it's crazy and even their and even their uh, dialogue like kind of suited them, you know, like J.K. like being quick with what he says, saying a cuss word in there to kind of make you feel a little uncomfortable, and then him be like, "What? What? You had a bush? I don't know what to tell you." You know, it's like really funny stuff. I I, I enjoyed him. Well, even Jason but after Siegel, Whiplash, I would I would do anything to watch some more J.K. Simmons. Oh, definitely. But even Jason Siegel, like he started out on Freaks and Geeks as well in the late '90s, and uh, you know, with all these other guys who have become the comedy guys of the 2000s. Um, But to me, he's still like not who I want to, who's, he's not there yet in this movie. When he gets to like, you know. He's not given enough space, you know. Well, when he gets to like How I Met Your Mother, that's when he starts becoming who he is as a comedy guy. And then he goes into like Forgetting Star Marshall and he, you know, uh, that's, that's what makes him who he is. And I would think too, like, and again, this comes back to being like a copycat version of Judd Apatow instead of a real deal. Because like uh, Jason kind of falls in the same category as like uh, uh, Vince Vaughn, where it's like if you use him wrong, he's just a dick and that's it. And then if you use him right, it's like he's kind of charming. He's kind of he's kind of an asshole. He's very one linery funny. Like, I don't know, like if you use him in the wrong way, he seems like he's lost his fastball. But then if you use him in the right way, it's like, fuck, this guy's as funny as anybody. Yeah. And there's sometimes in this show where I felt like he was on it. And then there was other times in the show where I felt like he was lazy. But I don't think it's him being lazy. I think it's like the dialogue or the direction, the direction of the movie kind of uh, letting him down a little bit. You know, you're talking about Siegel, really giving right? Him. Yes. Yes. Siegel. Yeah. Even now he's in that show. I was just telling you about uh, shrinking and mm-hmm. he is who he is like. He's the same in every show, but yeah. the, what I'm seeing now is the best part of him. Yes. yes. Um, yep. Totally agree. But um, and, 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 and I think what really comes down to with this show, if you're going to be negative about it, which I guess we kind of are, 
Um, Because I actually do think it's funny. I'd watch it again. I'm glad I watched it. But if you were trying to be critical of it, it seems so copy paste of other things that have been successful. Like even the when he has the lunch with the Reno 911 guy and it's like super awkward and you know the whole time that he's going to try to kiss him like it just you can just feel it coming from a mile away. But yeah, it almost gives like the Fargo dinner vibe where it's like super uncomfortable and not the right move. You know, it's like there's really never like more than a 10 minute stretch of this movie that it doesn't feel like it's kind of like pseudo ripping something off and that's okay but when the whole movie's that it's like okay i'm starting to feel like you guys are just doing a judd apatow impression well i think they're trying to make you understand that why it's hard for him to be friends with somebody like he's awkward he stumbles over his words and says things that's just like what the fuck are you talking about Mm -hmm. um he's not he's not uh getting cues at all like everyone knew that this guy was gay the whole time at dinner Mm -hmm. Except him. And like mm-hmm. even sit, they're sitting next to each other instead of opposite each other. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's the point is like the one time I think I might find somebody he's gay and, tra- and then kisses right. me. And, right. you know, so right. uh, or the, the one time he tries to hang out with his wife's friend's husband, he gets drunk and throws up on him. Throws like, up on him. Yeah. I so. love John Favreau on this, too, because like there wasn't <laughs> one minute where he was trying to be funny. He was just a dick the whole time. It was yeah. great. It was great. <laughs> yeah, I I. I and, and to go back to the relatability of it, and we talked about it, I think, uh, before we started recording, but like when you turn it, when you are an adult and you're out of school and you're out of these settings where you're with people for eight hours uninterrupted, it is harder to like break into a clique and make new friends. So there is some relatability there where it's like, if you do feel like you're short on friends, it's like, what do you do about that? Well, I guess you hope that you just become friends with a friend of a friend. You know, you don't really, it's hard to like come in fresh. So it is pretty relatable for him to be like, well, I guess I'll just go to a bar. And it does feel like you're almost dating a guy to try it out, you know. So I, I do understand the premise. It is pretty relatable. Well, that's what I was just going to say. Like, it's this movie seems like he's speed dating because he is doesn't. But but like, how do you find a friend in real life? Right. If you didn't grow up with them, you have things that are in common. You might both like the same team or you might. Right. You know, like freaking drinking beer or whatever. Right. And then you. Right you know get together because of that and then you start having those like deep talks and then you get to know each other well and that's how you become friends but the only thing he really does is fencing and the guy he fences with is a dickhead and no one really likes him there anyway right but the it she didn't know he played bass so Mm -hmm. does he just never play bass right because if he did he might have been he might have found somebody earlier on that did so i don't know which I can I can understand to a degree too, where it's like, like I I it sounds like I'm sucking up to my wife, but like I go to work and I come home and watch a movie and hang out, and like that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. But if that's all you want to do for a year or two years, then like you start to sh- you start to shred or shed you know friends that are kind of outside the main group, and then you get smaller and smaller because you're not spending any time with anybody right. else. So like I can see where he almost had the the tunnel vision up, where it's like. This is what I like to do. And like, yeah, like for me, like I, I like to play basketball and do other things like recreationally, um, but I don't do it a lot. Mm-hmm. So like if I started dating somebody as an adult and I separated myself from that and they never watched me do it, would they know that I like it? That right. seems like it's like a hobby that he let go of, not because he felt like he had to, but it's just like, well, I like doing what I'm doing and that doesn't include this hobby. So yeah. it, again, it does feel like a pretty relatable thing where it's like, I kind of let go of the friendship steering wheel and now I don't even know where I parked the car. <laughs> you know, <laughs> We were talking uh, before we started about like 
what we might do next week. Um, it's your pick, and we talked about one movie, but there's another movie I forgot about till just now, and I kind of confuse this movie with that movie sometimes. It's called Role Models. Have you ever seen it? Uh-uh. Never even heard of it. It's him and Sean William Scott, and mm. I don't know why, but they both have to go, like, they end up getting this kid from a school to be, like, a role model for him, but they're just both kind of shitbags. Like, I remember the movie starting out, and uh, Paul Rudd goes in with his wife to Starbucks and was like, yeah, can I just get a large? And they're like, oh, sorry, we only have, you know, Grande and whatever. And he was like, well, what's the large? And like, well, we don't have a large. And they're like, so what do you want? And he's like, I just want a goddamn large coffee. And like starts freaking out in his Starbucks. You know, now that you mentioned that, I think I've actually seen that clip before. What happened to Sean William Scott? Why does uh, he not exist anymore? What happened with that? He does. He's been on late night TV and he, like, there was a movie called Goon. It's about him being like an enforcer in hockey. He's not very good at hockey, but he can beat the shit out of people. So they put him in just to do that. And that was actually a really good movie from him. Um, but I think he just kind of stepped away for a little bit. Yeah, I think you're probably right. If I remember right now that I'm thinking about it, like post American Pie, kind of American Pie, I think he may have had like a, like a, not a rehab, but like a treatment kind of situation. And I think he may have stepped away in a very real way. And yeah, I, I don't, don't know. I don't think it was drugs and stuff. I think I heard on one of the late night shows that he was just like, you know, I'm, I was Stifler. Pushing himself. They only knew me as Stifler. So I couldn't be cast in another role because I'm still that shithead college frat fuckboy. And I'm always going to be Stifler. So I think he stepped away for a while for that. And I can can understand that. I mean, that's how I think of him. I think that's how everybody, you know, thinks of him. So yeah, I could definitely see that. Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, this movie's one that, you know, I come back to, I've got a lot of, random sayings we've talked about this with happy gilmore and stepbrothers and anchorman and all that shit um Mm. there are some in this movie though just like the stupid shit uh so again not a great movie but it's definitely one i can come back to and still laugh at and you know it feels extremely quotable and it's almost like that movie where if you're a big Jason Siegel fan or a big Paul Rudd fan. This is probably that movie where you like you slip in a quote when you're hanging out with a group of people to see if anybody's eyes light eyes yep. light up, you know? Like <laughs> this is definitely like you like a band that not very many people like and you're just dying to find another person that likes it, you know? Like yep. this is definitely that. So um if if you like anybody that's in this movie, I definitely recommend it. It's just it's just not quite, you know, up to the level of maybe the peaks of some of these some of these actors and actresses. Yeah. There's so just the ones I'm looking at now that I say, you know, every once in a while, totes my goats, always say that for some reason. Um, Bro Montana. I didn't, I didn't realize that was from this movie specifically, but yeah, I've heard tons of that growing yeah. up. Yeah. Uh, that bass. <laughs> every once in a while, I'll throw that one in there. Uh, I love, I love when uh, JK says like, wait, he's your best friend? Yeah. And Hank Mardukas. <laughs> Yeah, I can't remember what he said about his brother too, which is Adam, which is uh, what's his name, Sandberg. Sandberg. And I, I just something about Sandberg's face, like he doesn't even have to say anything, and I'm already like kind of ready to laugh, you know? Yeah. Just really appreciate it. And then the very 2009 thing to be like, I bet I can turn that straight guy gay. And then by the end of it, he's like bringing him as a date to stuff. It's so fucking dumb. Yeah. It reminds me of high school. That's the exact like high school humor that does not exist anymore for probably good reason. <laughs> probably my most quotable one is latest on the minji. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know why. Is that the one where he says it on the phone? He's like, what did I just say? Yeah. He's like, all right, uh, latest on the Minji. He's like, I don't even know what I just said. <laughs> I so, don't know too many Peters, but I, I'll always be like, you're a whore, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I like when he went home after after that weird dinner date. And she's like, you've been kissing somebody else. Your mouth tastes like cigarettes. <laughs> What's funny is she's, she goes, have you been kissing somebody? And he's like, no. And she's like, Peter. He goes, yeah. And then just pauses for a second. And like, if it was my wife, she'd be like, uh, what? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I met a guy and he kissed me. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so good. So fucking good. Love it. Well, what other people have to say? Um, pretty decent reviews. Honestly, I think this one's pretty much on the, on the, on the head as far as accuracy. It's a 70 on Metascore and a lot of people are saying like, like for instance, Entertainment Weekly said by far the best Judd Apatow comedy that Judd Apatow has nothing to do with. And that feels right. Where it's like, if you take him away, it's less of a movie, but if you take him away, it's still a pretty good movie. And when you got this many people lined up, you're not going to make something blatantly bad. So um, it's pretty unoffensive, and it and it gets scores that are pretty unoffensive. So yeah, I think I think you're pretty accurate saying it's a Dollar General Jid Apatow movie. I mean, Dollar General is there when you don't want to go drive to Across fucking town. Target or whatever. Yeah, yeah. so it's like this will work for now. Yeah, right. it fits what we need right now when we don't right. really need much. Yes, and 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 there's room for all those kind of things in the market. We don't all just buy premium things. You know, yeah. there's a there's a range and. Sometimes if everything you, was a 10, it's going to be, I mean, if everything's a 10, you're going to get saturated. Right. Yes. And and when you like the best Jet Apatow movies, like Forgetting Sarah Marshall or whatever, you've seen it 150,000 times and you can say every line and, and like, that's not a bad thing, but like, you want something different. Even if it's not quite as good, mm-hmm. you still want something different. Because if I want, if I only wanted to watch movies better than the movies I've seen, I would watch one movie a year, you know, mm-hmm. like you have to like let yourself watch different quality levels of movies. Right. So uh, there's definitely nothing to complain about here. I feel like I... I feel like I am complaining, but I really, I really do genuinely like this movie, and I hadn't seen it before, and that's getting rarer and rarer doing this yeah, podcast. Yeah. So, well, what about a poster and name? Let's see here. Poster, I mean, pretty run of the mill. I, I don't hate it because this is the people that matter in the movie, but like, there's nothing going on in it, and it's not even like, you know, a lot of times these posters are like. Here's the guy that's a real loose cannon, and then the other guy, he's all tight-lipped and nice and well-dressed and whatever, and they don't even quite do that. It's just like two dudes on a poster, so I don't know. I'm going to go with good, but not great. And then the name, I think it's perfect. That's kind of the whole point of the movie. Yeah, I'm going to say probably the same with you for the poster. Like, if they would have had, like, you know, them holding their instruments or, like, you know, Siegel on his scooter and him holding the bass or, like, maybe have... His girl behind him. It's something. kind of an insane poster. The more I think about it, because they're not even together in the picture. Those are just two images cropped and put together, right. and they're not like facing the exact same direction, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> and they're not those heights. Jason Segal is way fucking taller than him. So how it's tall like, is, how tall is he? I know, I know, Siegel's six five. How tall is uh, Red? I'm gonna guess without looking, five nine. I'm gonna guess six foot. Okay, I'm looking him up. I think he's underestimating when they hug in the street he is like the top of his head is like his shoulder height 510 
All right. I got it in meters. I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> I looked it up and it was like 1.78 meters. 1.78 meters. Yep. Yes. Don't want that. Don't want that. It was that. on, yeah, on IMDb. Un- I don't know if you saw that. Definitely under six feet. And yeah, there's a good seven inch gap there for sure. Yeah, that's true. But the poster is like, nah, man, they're equals. It's like, all right. All right. Uh, yeah. So I think movie posters, all right, could be better. I actually don't like the name. It's just like, you could have thought of something better. Um, I don't know what, but. I, I like the movie. I, I or the name. I think that my problem with it was they felt the need to say it in the movie. I think it almost yeah. implied something that we're not dumb enough to miss. And then at the end, they're like, I love you, man. I'm like, all right. Yeah. You know, like, I get it. That was literally the whole point of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I uh, clicked on my Fire Stick remote and was like, you know, to say what mm-hmm. to play. And I was like, I love you, man. And Alexa goes, oh, you're too sweet. Uh, I love you, too. And I was like, all right, fucking. <sighs> okay. Stop getting fucking cute. <laughs> um, Court scene. You think of anything? Hmm. If they wanted to keep calling back to his dog, like, shitting in the public areas, that would have been kind of funny if he went to, like, small claims and was, like, defamation or something. Something stupid like that because of his dog that shits everywhere. That would be kind of funny. I could see him waiting for Ferrigno's house to get sold and then sue him for... <laughs> right. That would be funny. Did you feel like it was a little weird when he asked for the eight grand? I mean, I understand what he did it for, and it was kind of almost like a, a trust thing, you know? Like, uh, do you do you trust me enough to take the money to help you? But cause he knew he wouldn't do it if he told him what it was for. And I, I get all that, but like, I don't know. It just felt a little uncomfy where it was yeah. like, I don't know. Cause in real life, like that feels like a breach of a new relationship. And it's almost kind of proving his wife's point of being like, do you really know this guy and all mm-hmm. that? Like, I don't know. It just felt like a little, like, I don't feel like he would have done that in real life. And it almost felt like it was just kind of a necessity to make the movie continue you know 100 I mean? like yeah i mean it makes the relationship awkward and i mean especially not explaining it like oh no it's just a secret it's like what the fuck are you he seems about? like a con art- con artist he does he so does it's... very much does i don't know anyway yeah, you wonder like how does he live in a garage but then like he lives by the beach so like whatever garage he's in is a million dollar house because he's within proximity of the beach which so it's his... like i don't know like his uh, card says he's, you know, Sydney Investments or whatever. So Which we like, never see him do once. But at the end, he says, I am a real investor or something. I don't know. Yeah, but it's like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but they, he not only is he just an investor, but also he's an investor in real estate. So they have things to talk about. They could have spent like, I don't know, 20 seconds explaining how he exists as a human, but they never do. So then it's like, maybe he is a con artist. And I feel like our attention is diverted from what the movie wants us to do. And it makes me think about like. If he's a bad guy, if he's, right. you know what I mean? And the movie just doesn't, he if you didn't can't even go there, I didn't him. think. I mean, they might have wanted you to think like he stole it at grand, eight grand or whatever. And I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It, again, it's a B movie, but it's yeah. good. You want to rate it? Yeah, let's do it. This movie comes out to guests now. Just kidding. <laughs> Instead of doing it how we normally do it, what do you think it's going to come out to before we do anything? Six point nine, nice. God, I hope so. I listened to a uh, podcast about uh, college basketball, mm-hmm. and uh, it's common that they say on like broadcasts and stuff that it's a race to seventy because most games barely get to seventy. Yeah, and they change it to a race to sixty nine. <laughs> it makes me laugh every single time they say it. All right, your opinion. 
of I Love You Man. Yeah, I mean, like we've gone over the whole time, it's it's good. It's not great. Definitely, it could have been great. Like, I, I wonder what this movie would be like if it was just an Apatow movie. Um, I'm going to go with like a 7.2. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to go a little bit lower with a 6.9 nice. Uh, I really enjoy it, but there's a couple things that would have made this movie much better. So yeah, acting ability, I will stick with myself here. I'm a Paul Rudd fan. I really enjoy him. The only thing that holds me back from not giving him a real good grade on this movie is that I feel like he's just doing 40 year old virgin. Yeah. And I don't know, like I want to see the movie where he's truly doing something special and I just don't think it exists. And I don't know if that's because he hasn't had the vehicle or if he's just a, you know, utility man, a really funny third, fourth wheel. And that mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. But his likability and I think his likability and his natural charisma has gotten him so far in Hollywood that it's almost like he's surpassed like his true like sweet spot. Yeah. And I just feel weird about him on TV on screen. So I'm gonna go with a six point six. Yeah, I understand that. Um he doesn't really have any emotion here. Like when he's breaking up with his friend, he doesn't have the emotion that you might have with that or when his wife or right. fiance leaves it's just like no don't go that i need more nothing. from that there's nothing yeah well there is some stuff when he's talking about rush and he's slapping the bass and he's you know dancing it like he's he can going go hard he there can't go down yeah uh so i'm gonna go with a 7.2 again nice yeah and i and like you know talking about four-year-old virgin like there's something about Corell. It's his eyes. It's something about how he acts on his face subtly that, like, he makes you want to cry, too. Mm-hmm. And Paul Rudd just can't do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. He, you know, it is what it is. But he can't handle the lows, and this movie kind of required it. So, um, rewatchability. <clears throat> Tanner. I, I don't need to watch it again anytime soon because I've seen it in the past, and I and I knew the whole movie uh, before seeing it this time. Sure. Um but if you haven't seen it, like you just said, I think you enjoyed just spending yes. the time and watch it. It's not that long. Um, so I'm going to go with like a 6.7. Yeah, and I'll, I'll go a little bit higher than that with a 7 flat. And I think the reason why I'm going with that is because after watching the movie and sitting on it, I think of all the things I don't really like about it. But when I'm watching it, like Jordan even said, like you laughed a lot watching that movie. Like I really did like laugh out loud quite a bit because it's just silly and funny and my kind of my kind of funny. Yeah. So I'm going to go a little higher with a seven, give it a benefit of the doubt, because in the moment when it's on TV, it's hard not to laugh at pretty much every every scene. It's yeah. just it kind of falls apart when you actually think about it, you know. Yep. So giving it a seven and it comes out to guess. Six point nine. Nice. It does. Six point nine. Nice. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. It is tied with. It is tied with Taken, The Wedding Crashers, Home Alone, A Time to Kill, and Aliens. It is point one above Life, Bad Boys, Four Good Days, and Risky Business. It is point one below A League of Their Own, White Men Can't Jump, Horrible Bosses, and Jerry Maguire. Dang. I thought Risky Business was higher than that. Maybe it should be. I don't know. I don't know either. Well... Thank you for listening to this episode of Epix Mountain. Uh, let us know over on Instagram or email what you think of this movie. That is apexmountainpod at gmail.com. Uh, do you have a thought on next week? Uh, I think we should do This is 40. Think so? I looked at it earlier. kind of talked me into it. That's yeah. Fine. We can okay. do that. 
We'll go with that then. Uh, oh, ask me our final thoughts. Okay, your final thoughts. Could you imagine being at a wedding <laughs> and some dude just pulls up like that? Not only that, but then they just sit there and he's like, thanks for they inviting me. for three and she's like, I just, I just knew you should be here. And she, he was like, oh, you did that for me? Oh, I love you. Hey, man, thanks for coming. I love you, man. I love you, bro, Chacho. I love... Dude, sit the fuck down. <laughs> yeah, you know there's at least like four great-grandparents that are like, who the fuck's that guy? You know, like, just because we can hear it as the audience doesn't mean any one of those motherfuckers can hear it in the crowd. My other final thought is, does she not have a family at all? Everybody was his family or his friends or her friends up there. But, like, her friends walked around the aisle. The yes. engagement party had nobody there of hers. Yeah. That was kind of weird. It's it's weird because the movie never gives her an identity. So then whenever it comes time where, like, you're at a ceremony where your identity is, is required, there's nothing there. So it, it, it does feel obvious. I think it would have been cool for her to have a dad to kind of not really like him either. Like like him a little bit, but talk to her like, are you are you sure? <laughs> yeah, it is weird because like she just goes with the flow of like getting married with him after eight months and she's like cool with it. But then she's like, yeah, I was wondering why you did that, but they never talk about it. And she only brings it up to her friends that they don't really care either. And it's like there's never any kind of like responsibility or reality to her side of the relationship it's always just go with the flow of whatever paul's doing like it almost felt out of character for her to even leave the house when he asked that question because she's never had any independence before that moment yeah you know so i don't know they just didn't they just her character was a complete afterthought i Mm -hmm. felt like when they made the movie which is a shame definitely all right guys check us out next week this is 40 uh we will see you now or we will see you another time (laughs) Goodbye. Bye.